Hello, hello, hello. So before I go into today's amazing episode, I am over the moon to announce that the next intake of the female fat loss program is now open. So signups are now open for July. And this is something that you guys have created. You guys have DM me, you guys have been asking for this for I think about three years and it took me a while to get it right. It's taken me a while to figure out what I want out of it. And the program has been running amazingly, amazingly well since we started opening it up. And what the actual program is a little bit different. So if it's a, if you're looking for a program to lose 10 kg in six weeks, it's not gonna be the program for you because no program could and should be able to offer you that unless it's completely restrictive. So what this program is offering you is you where you get a program tailored to you, nutrition based off what your goals are, education on how to train around your cycle, manage your cravings, education around perimenopause, menopause, postnatal, prenatal, how to manage PMS, how to manage your thyroid, how to manage PCOS, how to, how to manage endometriosis and get away from the yo-yo dieting. So the last intake actually sold out in 24 hours, which was mad. I was keeping the numbers small and then there was so much activity coming in that I had to kind of uh, close it off uh, and I had to reopen it back up. So the next program will be starting on Monday, the 18th of July, 2022. I'll be running for six weeks from there. So what you will get from me uh, is your training program with videos, education on training. You'll get free recipe books. I would highly recommend to try the brownies, a Facebook group with supports, lives every Tuesday, check-ins every week. You'll have check-ins on the group. You can It's, an, it's a like-minded group and the current group that are in there at the minute are thriving because they're, they're seeing what each other is doing and they're encouraging everyone. It's, that's what I want it to be. So who is this program for? It's someone who wants to learn. It's someone who wants to make their body work for them. People who are sick and tired of not seeing results and ready to take action. Someone who's looking to potentially lose body fat. Someone who's looking to gain muscle. Someone who's look, looking to feel more confident in their body. Looking for guidance around cravings of PCOS, endometriosis. People who are looking for guidance around mental health. So what I would encourage you guys to do, if you're looking for something that's a little bit lower price, if you're on a budget or whatever it may be, what I would highly encourage you to do is try this out for the six weeks. It's gonna be at the lowest price it is now. I may review it after a while. So if you're looking to kind of work with myself and get rid of that BS that's out there, I'd highly recommend you do it. The people who are in it at the minute are absolutely thriving and every single one of them is absolutely smashing. So if you're interested in working with myself uh, through the Female Fat Loss Program, click on the link in the bio, sign up, Things will start up on the 18th of July on Monday and you'll have everything sent over to you the Friday beforehand. And the price of the program is 149 euro for six weeks. So it works out less than a cup of coffee every single day. So I think it's it's quite cheap compared to what I've seen from other programs, but the amount of information, and that's the bit that I've seen so far from the feedback that's kind of come in. So if you're interested to work with me from the 18th of July, I would recommend to click on the link in the bio or and in the write-up of the episode click on that book your space and everything will be over to you the friday before really excited to see you guys who are joining up looking forward to it and i will talk to you guys very soon enjoy the episode hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the shane watch podcast so today is the second live that we have with our female fat loss group that we currently have active and the the group which is flying it at the minute like Every single person is absolutely smashing their goals, which is sensational. And it's great, the interaction and the activity, the the, the being, it's kind of like a family, um, which is which is really, really handy. So the questions that have come in are questions that are coming in on Q&As. They're coming in from what you guys are sending in in general. And I'm 
there's about six questions so hopefully the episode will probably be about half an hour if not a little bit longer so what i will do is i will get going to some great questions some of them have been covered on previous episodes so um hopefully you guys are aware of those as well so the first question is in relation to kind of covid and covid recovery so the biggest thing that i would say about kind of covid recovery and long covid recovery is that you need to make sure that you're getting looked after by medical advice with nutrition there's no actual evidence of a specific diet for recovery so for those who are looking for a specific diet there is no specific diet that is there aren't enough clinical trials there aren't enough trials on that side of things so please don't follow the restrictive stuff that's out there like you may have seen a histamine diet uh, which talks about histamines and stuff like that so i wouldn't go into any diet or lifestyle thing that involves taking out a food group and i think that's really really important for you that if any lifestyle anything that i would recommend is don't take out a food group if you're if you're in general but particularly with kind of covid recovery and long covid recovery so there's no evidence for an actual specific diet but one of the things that i've kind of seen is and from research is the mediterranean diet is one that has it seems a little bit more balanced most people could be a lot more beneficial and a lot more in tune with nutrition and all this kind of stuff a mediterranean diet allows that kind of function in relation to getting the more foods in so clinical trials are underway in relation to what nutritional interventions can be made but what can happen with the mediterranean diet can reduce and couldn't reduce should i say reduce inflammation and has been shown uh, along the way and what this would look like is five portions of fruit or veggies a day which i think i'll talk about later on about how to get more fiber in so trying to get five portions of fruit or veggies a day that will really really help you to get the minerals the vitamins the nutrients into your body then i would look at try to get one to two portions of oily fish in and if you don't like fish there's the likes of tofu adame there's the likes if you do eat fish you could supplement with omega-3s you could get chia seeds flax seeds you could get omegas you could have oily fish like mackerel and salmon and stuff like that so those things will help reduce inflammation try to get that oily fish omega-3 healthy omega-3s into your body i would look at potentially reducing red meat to potentially one to twice a week um and have maybe one to two meat-free days of red meat if you know what i mean and potentially bring that when you could bring in the the salmon and the the fish inside of stuff add a little bit more chickpeas and lentils in you could bring in some nuts uh, to help with the omegas if you wanted just be careful with the omegas they can be quite high in calories but for those who are struggling with the appetite and stuff that generally happens at the beginning of covid and they can be helpful for smoothies throw in a bit of peanut butter i would recommend that people have a little bit of smoothie if your appetite goes down to keep your energy up like you charge your phone every night you charge your laptop every night you probably plug in your car if it's an electric car in order to give it energy so if your appetite is down a smoothie is easy to sip on you're getting your minerals your vitamins your protein in that side of stuff then we kind of look at potentially using a little bit of olive oil maybe adding herbs and spices over salt there's nothing wrong with salt herbs and spices just have these kind of potential inflammation markers in them and then booze I would probably recommend not drinking while you've got long COVID. Maybe look at, there are some, re- some researchers saying 
yeah, I would just probably reduce the amount of alcohol that you're potentially having. I know those who potentially have long COVID mental health might be at play as well. So alcohol is not going to help mental health. So it's a national depressant. So I would be cautious of that. And then supplementation, a supplement supplements a diet. It isn't to outdo a diet. So potentially look at vitamin D. It has helped, shown to help immune system. Then I would look at eating little and often. Uh, as a way to keep your hunger at bay having little and often more food will keep your energy balance at bay as well smoothies could help you and then i would make sure that you are talking to the doctor and stuff like that so mediterranean diet would probably be the one that i would look for but it's probably mediterranean diet sounds like what most people should be doing anyway covid or long covid or no covid at all so i would really really focus on bringing that in regarding your training around covid and long covid get signed off by the doctor first of all if you're struggling with long covid you need to make sure that you're okay to sign off and get signed up i know there was a couple of you guys that in the group anyway and my one-to-one clients that got it during the week so hopefully everyone's okay i would wait until you get signed off or you're feeling okay to, to go out for a walk like your energy systems are going to go down so i would look at staying away the hell hell away from hit training hell away from running head away from CrossFit there's nothing wrong with those but if your body's under stress and your body's under recovery and it's trying to get itself back into a normal state of being or whatever it may be you hammering yourself with HIIT training you hammering yourself with running or you're hammering yourself with the gym is going to like almost set you back so I know what's going to happen is missed workout guilt missed workout guilt guilt means that you've done something wrong listening to your body the last time i checked is actually doing something right more often than not a lot of people are there's two extremes with fitness there's the people who are training way too much which could do a lot more recovery and there's the people who don't train at all and could do a little bit more activity there's little or no wiggle room for the balance and most people try to go to the extreme a lot of people think that they get fitter when they are training you actually get fitter from recovering so if you're training six days a week or five days a week, I would be cautious of are you actually, are your numbers progressing in relation to your lifts or your reps consistently? Or would you be better off switching to four? There's no right or wrong answer. Olympic athletes, vast majority of them uh, train four days a week. So we're not Olympic athletes. So why do we need to train it? Well, I need it for my head. Well, exercise is a, there's a, there's a minefield there of exercise shouldn't be therapy. Exercise is a way to help ourselves help our mental health but it shouldn't be the 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 output for our mental health only like therapy and stuff like that so with training walking short distances your breathing might be off so start low start small as if you're starting again with the with the nutrition and stuff like that i've said already the mediterranean diet might might be like you're having more protein you're having more fruit and veggies you're having some omegas you're having a woody fish you're having water over any other drink rather than reducing relying on caffeine because what will happen with caffeine is once you have caffeine it takes about 60 minutes to kind of hit into your body and if you have caffeine what will happen is you and when it kicks in and when it starts to fade off well, what will happen is your energy will fade off because the caffeine receptor was kind of like kind of fading a little bit you need more caffeine again than the original dose in order to get the same effect so you're going to have these ups and downs ups and downs up and downs if you keep drinking coffee you are a lot more better positioned if you are drinking water on a day-to-day basis 
like I would try to probably reduce your caffeine in general like if you're having caffeine at 12 o'clock in the day it's going to be in your system at 12 o'clock at night so you're not going to be able to sleep and if we're not able to sleep we're not able to recover if not we're not able to recover we're not going to get fitter if we're not able to recover we're not we're going to be sore if we're not able to recover we're not going to be able to function if we're not going to be able to recover we're not going to be able to master our stress i think you're getting the point so as a recap Cover recovery, Mediterranean diet, oily fish, protein, more veggies, more fruit, water, uh, herbs and spices, probably reduce alcohol, vitamin D, talk to the doctor, smoothies can help. I've seen clients who um, have managed to get a little bit more. Whoever has had an appetite reduction, uh, they those have had smoothies get their energy back. Uh, there's not saying it's causation versus correlation. I'm just saying that if you keep your body consistent, the energy topped up, you'll be in a hell of a lot better position. Um, so hopefully that answers that question. Then the next question uh, that came in, which is a great question, that's already been covered on the podcast, but I will give it a quick recap on that. And it was in relation to should women train fasted? And if you listen back to the episode with Dr. Stacey Sims, episode 183 and i'll put that link into the show notes she talks about this an awful lot so whoever isn't aware of dr stacy sims dr stacy sims is a scientist and does an awful lot of work and research on women and training and athletes and training and her sentence is women are not small men which is pretty apt women's bodies function differently to men if you're not aware women's bodies function differently to men it fascinates me how every single woman is completely different in how they respond to things, how they respond to PMS, how they respond to the signals, stress, all that kind of stuff, and how their training and their cravings, all that kind of stuff, comes into play. So what we need to, uh, so like, if you're training first thing in the morning, I'd say like five or 6 a.m., that's completely your call, okay? Would I advise to eat something beforehand? Like, beforehand something small i would probably advise it and i'm going to explain why and um, so if we think of a bit like a thing so men and women have these have a signals in the brain a part of the brain called the hypothalamus and the hypothalamus is the part of the brain that controls the, controls the hormones so it controls your estrogen it controls your signals it controls all that kind of the testosterone and all that kind of stuff in your body if that feels under attack what it does is so if you're not getting enough fuel into your body, if you're completely stressed, if you're overtraining, your body and if you're if it feels under attack in any way, what it will do is it will turn off the signals to your reproductive organs first in order to protect the organs of the body, like the liver, the heart, all that kind of stuff in the lungs. That's what the hypothalamus does. So it protects the organs first and turns off the reproductive organs next. So that's why when people are overtraining or under eating or whatever it may be or overstressed what can happen or um is that their reproductive system or ovulation because it takes so much energy out of the body and if there isn't enough energy to the body the hypothalamus will turn off the signals and will end up going into hypothalamic amenorrhea amenorrhea so that's when cycles can be longer if they can be shorter or cycle disappears completely which is what hypothalamic amenorrhea is so with the likes of say intermittent fasting which is windowed eating of generally the most popular one is you've got 24 hours in a day and you've got eight hours of eating 16 hours of not eating i call that sleep 
So that's generally what I call it. So there's no need to restrict yourself further. But generally with intermittent fasting and keto, they kind of reduce and they kind of in, they kind of disrupt the caseptin production. So when our brain perceives we have a deficiency in nutrients, especially carbohydrates, we have a marked reduction in caseptin stimulation, which not only increases our appetite, but also reduces our sensitivity to insulin. And this is why research on intermittent fasting is more likely to, to kind of cause imp cause impaired glucose tolerance um, in, in women, but not sometimes in men as well. So what this is actually doing, and when we layer exercise on top of that, when we're fasted, and when women are fasted, should I say, this is ultimately putting more stress on the body. So the body is more stressed first thing in the morning. If you think about it, you're going from closed eyes with blackouts, blinds or whatever it may be to opening your eyes so getting light in so your body gets shocked all of a sudden you're more stressed in the morning and then it eases off in the evening so it calms you down and then your melatonin increases so that you get a little bit sleepy throughout the day and then that your melatonin production increases and that's when you get tired and that's when you go to sleep and in order for melatonin to be produced what happens then is that you fall into sleep and you fall into your deep sleep but if cortisol, which is the stress hormone, rises higher, then that kind of adds a little bit more stress to your body. This can drive and can keep your sympathetic drive high and reduces your ability to relax, okay? So your thyroid activity could be downregulated and this could end up downregulating or impacting on your menstrual cycle. And what can happen with stress is that sometimes it can add a little bit more um, fat storage it can increase fat storage if we're completely stressed all the time like I'm not saying you're going to increase your fat I'm saying it can increase fat storage it's a massive massive difference on that and generally if you look at athletes and to those who do ketogenic they are not giving themselves enough fuel in the day or in the first thing in the morning if they're training fasted and they're putting themselves under massive stress on immediately and then that's going to kick the fight or flight response into the body and they could be more prone to injury they could be more prone to mental health issues hormonal health performance body composition stuff and women athletes and female athletes perform and studies have shown this perform a hell of a lot better in a fed state so with food in their body so women athletes need to eat and last time i checked majority of my clients bar one are not athletes so why do we need to go into fasted state in order to go into the gym it could be personal preference you may not have an appetite at that stage that's okay but what i probably recommend to do is probably trying to focus on your nutrient timing and i would probably encourage women not to fasted workout but it's completely your choice i'm not going to tell you to do anything it's personal choice so it can also decrease the availability of the kind of blocks that are needed for your hormones like progesterone your progesterone is really really important with your menstrual cycle it's the one that elevates the second half of the cycle it's your calming hormone so if you're more stressed and it's down regulating your calming hormone what's going to happen is you're going to be out of whack and you're going to have more pms if you have pms it's a sign that your body is not in homeostasis which is in an equal or balanced environment and it feels under attack so we need to look at your environment 
what I'd probably advise you to do is maybe try to get food in maybe 20 to 35 minutes before actually eating or before training. And this could be something like, to- like so you want to get fast releasing carbohydrates in and potentially a little bit of protein, like 15 to 20 grams of protein in. So like the likes of toast, peanut butter, nut butter, whatever, maybe a banana with peanut butter is generally the one I'd recommend because it's something not massive. It's not a huge amount. We normally eat with our eyes. So it's not a huge amount of food first thing in the morning, but I would probably advise to eat something. And also, I know you're going to say this is what we want. It's like you're putting yourself into a massive negative, negative energy balance first thing in the morning, but that's adding more stress to your body. And it's going to counteract over the day when you get a little bit more tired. So your car can't run without energy. Your phone can't run without energy before it starts to move. So why is the body any different? Why are we putting ourselves under more stress? Why are we putting our hormones at under attack? Completely your choice if you want to train fasted. Would I advise it for many? Probably not. Uh, But it's completely your choice. The episode is 183 if you want to listen to that episode the next one that we have is in relation to struggling to increase your protein and this is a common one that kind of comes in with clients on a daily basis protein is really really important for improvements in strength improvements in recovery Uh, it helps your immune system so it has some research has shown that it can help covid recovery helps to manage your hunger because it takes longer to digest so it will takes longer to leave the body um it burns more calories than other foods because it's harder to digest and it also helps to yeah it's basically the glue that builds the muscle so what i would advise with protein is can you get i'll give you a target like the old research used to be 0.8 grams per kg of body weight for protein for most people as you get older you definitely need more as you go towards menopause and perimenopause you need more protein because your bone health could be on a downward um direction and you need to pause that with the likes of potentially hrt and getting protein in so you need to make sure you're getting adequate of protein particularly for women protein is the glue that keeps your bone health safe and if you don't have your bone health, you're going to, you may be in pain with osteoporosis, osteopenia, sarcopenia when you get older. And I've seen it firsthand with family members. You do not want that to happen. And I, there's an episode with Natalie Lennon, uh, the amazing Natalie. So it's the second episode I did with Natalie in relation to that. And she talks about her own journey through that. And you may end up having to take a calcium supplement and stuff like that. So try to get regular feedings throughout the day of protein. So you're better off getting regular feedings of protein rather than having one big bulk of it in one day because you want to top it up regularly throughout the day. Think of it like your 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 um your phone credit. You need to top it up regularly. So some of the ways you could do it are the likes of eggs, egg whites, egg, Greek yogurt, chicken, turkey, turkey rashes. Uh, whey protein is quite handy. You can pour it onto porridge. Would I have protein shake replacement meals? no it's not a meal it's a replacement meal the first word says it all we look at lean beef we look at fish we look at the likes of salmon we look at nuts just be careful the amount of calories on in nuts there's like one gram of proteins four calories one gram of fats is nine calories and the majority of nuts are are fats so you could look at smoothies you could look at the likes of pea protein whey protein protein balls protein bars the quality of the protein bars 
quality of protein in protein bars isn't amazing but as a needs must happy days um so i would look at getting them into your main meals where possible i would look at creating some sort of structure of like if you're doing your weekly shop plan out some of your meals potentially batch cook and probably if you are getting two or three portions of protein in a day it's probably more than mo- most people are getting anyway any anywhere above one gram of protein per kg of body weight is a pretty safe option but regular feedings over the time will help you a lot more and you'll i'll be surprised like if you're sore after every workout which shouldn't be the aim of every workout it means you're either under recovering so you're not getting enough protein you're not getting enough sleep you're overstressed that's not what we want it could mean that we need to potentially drop a session just to give yourself that body uh, that reaction like the whole point of like you get fitter in recovery not during the actual training itself that's the hardest part for most people to listen to so hopefully that helps on that side of things the next one is similar enough to the likes of the protein stuff is a way to get fiber up it's kind of a common thing so the numbers that you hear for targets for fiber and i was reluctant to put this into it and i was reluctant to put it into the target on your actual sheets because some people can get frustrated and the perfectionist thing i'm trying to remove so for men it's roughly like you look you hear different numbers and just get veggies in like it doesn't matter what target it is more veggies than you're having at the minute is a pretty safe standard option men probably need about 20 to 30 grams of, of fiber and then women probably need about 25 to 35 grams of fiber why do women need more menstrual cycle so bear with me so if you've heard the podcast before you would have heard me saying in order to get rid of your old cycle you need to poo it out if the body isn't getting enough fiber or water into the body the body will struggle to get rid of that excess estrogen when it comes to your menstrual cycle and will cause pain and discomfort and we don't want pain or discomfort so if we're not getting enough fiber it's going to cause a little bit of pain or discomfort so we need to get more fiber in to make sure we're pooing out the old one so think of like the menstrual cycle is like a snake skin it regenerates when and then a new one forms and then you're on to the next stage you're on to the next cycle if you know what i mean so helps with good health so it helps with minerals vitamins regular poo time so if you're going to the bathroom once a day for number two happy days if you're going the minimum every two days then that's pretty standard if you're going anything above that and it's consistently like that it's either you're not getting enough fiber you're not getting enough water and you potentially need to take a stool loosener or go to your medical professional to go and get that checked out and then it will also help to keep you fuller and i've noticed that in a lot of the comments that are coming in on the group so far is those who have increased their fiber on consistently and considerably are the ones who are feeling fuller they're like oh i'm eating more i'm like no no you're not eating more you're eating less than you were because progress and measurements and weight and all that kind of stuff is improving so you're actually eating less you're just eating more satiating food which keeps you fuller eating more protein you're eating more foods that's going to keep you fuller for longer and help you a lot more that's the massive difference like the whole point of dieting isn't to be miserable the whole point of dieting isn't to be on the lowest amount of calories to get the quickest results most people get that arse ways the whole point of a diet is can you live like this for the rest of your life whether you shouldn't be on a diet for the rest of your life that's not what i'm saying a diet means a short window of a restrictive calorie phase if you are doing it for the rest of your life you're not put on this earth to be in a diet 
If you're doing it forever, it means your approach is arseways. And either it's been taught from you from certain clubs, it's been not taught to you or dictated to you by certain things, but most people will end up taking a food group out and they'll be like, oh, I've seen results. I lost 10 kilos because I sucked on oranges for the rest of, for 10 weeks. Anyone will lose weight if they sucked on oranges for 10 weeks. So that's not what we want to do. So what we want to try and do is can we aim for fruit or veggies with most meals? That emphasis on that word most. So the likes of the stuff like rye, whole grain options, whole grain bread, whole grain rice, that side of things. Oats is really handy, first thing. Buckwheat, it doesn't taste amazing, but it is really handy. Uh, we can go for the likes of fruit. Helps with cravings as well because there's sugar in it. Don't forget, fruit has sugar in it. So if you are craving something in anything, it means you're either not getting enough food into your body, you're, you're restricting carbohydrates, you're restricting a food that you like, or you're not getting enough sugar into your body. Your body's preferred source of energy is carbohydrates. So you need to make sure your body is getting enough carbohydrates. Chia seeds. So chia seeds have about 34.4 grams per 100 grams. So that's massive. Flax seeds have about 27.3 grams per 100 grams. There's sesame seeds, there's coconut. A quick way and cheap way, because people think that like veggies and fruit and all this kind of stuff is really expensive. It doesn't have to be. Um, I would look at it from a point of view as can you get frozen veggies in? Frozen veggies actually store their nutrients a hell of a lot better than fresh veg. Why? Because if you think about it, the food goes from the ground into a stored freezer, so it holds onto the nutrients. If, it, if it's fresh, it goes from the ground onto a store floor where the minerals and vitamins will be evaporated into thin air. Doesn't say that it's going to get rid of them. It's saying that they're getting, they're getting less the longer they're left on the floor. Frozen veg is cheaper. It's more convenient. You don't have to chop anything and you can literally throw all of them into a pot. You can get multi-packs with like broccoli, corn, peas, carrots, all into one rather than spending time having to chop things up. You can throw the frozen stuff into like a spag ball or a curry or whatever it may be. Bags of spinach is really handy. If you're looking for stuff for your breakfast, flaxseeds and chia seeds, just be mindful of the calories and um, flaxseeds. They can be a little bit more elevated compared to other sources. That doesn't say they're necessarily bad, by the way. And nothing is bad, but any fiber is better for you. So fiber is your friend. So I would really, really encourage you to make sure that you are getting that done. And then the second last question is in relation to banking calories. So we know of banking calories. So there are episodes of banking calories. So episode 271, which is reactive versus proactive dieting. Uh, which I would recommend everyone to listen to. Um, and I'll put that into the show notes. Um, so, and then there's episode 162, which actually talks about banking calories in a little bit more detail. So when we're talking about banking calories, it's a great tool in the right hands, but so is a hammer, but you wouldn't use a hammer to fix a light bulb, okay? So what banking calories means that you are saving some calories, think of it like money, you're saving some calories in order to save it for the weekend, okay? But what I have seen from some people uh, in general, when people come in and try to do it first of all, is they save to the point of restriction during the week and then they are on mass destruction and overspending calories way above and beyond what the weekly average is for them. So they're actually ending up bringing themselves into a calorie surplus, which 
will lead to gaining weight over time on a consistent basis. So what someone like who's doing that would look like, so say if the calorie recommendation for someone is say 2000 calories for argument's sake, that's 14,000 calories on a total average week, okay? So if you are banking calories and you could end up going right 1200 calories Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Saturday and Sunday, on Friday, you'll end up going 3,000, 3,500, 3,000. That's going to end up to about 15,500 calories, okay? If someone is banking calories the right way, which I'll tell you in a second, it could a week could look like 1,700, 1,700, 1,600, 1,800, 1,800, 1,800, 1,800, 1,800. That average total calories is about 11,800. That's 4,100 calories less than if you actually saved it a little bit more, a little bit less aggressively. So what most people will do is, there's two types of people. There's, there's um, we probably Most of us fall into probably both side of things. So there's reactive and there's proactive. So reactive is you save calories coming up to the event. So say if you're going out on Saturday night, reactive dieting is you're saving calories coming up to the event. Okay. Proactive means that you are saving calories. Sorry, it's the other way around. Proactive is means you're saving before. Reactive means that you're coming, you're saving calories afterwards. So if you're someone who's proactive, what I'd probably recommend is if you're going out on Saturday, I would probably advise you to reduce your calories by about two to three hundred on Thursday, two to three hundred on Friday. Eat probably normally, like have your breakfast, have your lunch, and then go out for your meals on the weekend or your drinks over the weekend. That will, and then you're probably just pressing reset afterwards. Okay. Then you have the ones who are resetting afterwards, and this would be where I would fall in would be that if I was counting calories, I would do it because I'm in that free frame of resetting. So I would like go, say if I was aiming for 2000 calories, I would go for say 1700 calories on Sunday, 1700 calories on Monday. And that will even itself out. Think of it like your, your budget and think of it like a weekly average. There's no right or wrong approach. The approach that I probably wouldn't take is restricting yourself for the whole weekend so you can almost inverted commas do the dog on it over the weekend like the whole point of a diet is you can't cheat a diet you're kidding yourself you can't have a cheat meal cheat meals aren't a thing they're just language and they're shite language around things you are kidding yourself if you think you can outdo a diet and i've seen it with a couple of check-ins over the last little while is that people are saving a lot of calories from Monday all the way to the weekend and then they're entering a generic number of say 3,000 calories on Saturday and Sunday for the event or for the wedding. If the numbers are around when you're entering it on my fitness belt, I know for a fact they're not correct uh, because generally most people, well, it should be a number like say 1749 or whatever it is, I picked that number out of my head, but it, should be, it shouldn't be a round number. So you're better off potentially saving calories for a couple of days beforehand, coming up to it, and then or else saving calories for a couple of days afterwards and then that will even yourself out for the weekend but if you're letting it go in for the whole weekend and going saturday and sunday that's a choice there's nothing wrong with that approach but if you're feeling guilt guilt means you've done something wrong but it's not something wrong it just means that it hasn't aligned with your your what you intended to do there's nothing wrong with it but it's just aligning with your values that you wanted to have a two-day session or you wanted to like a wedding and have that second day rollover there's absolutely nothing with that wrong with that 
But if you're constantly beating yourself up and you're getting frustrated with your process, you need to change the actual process. Because you say that you want to do one thing, but what are you doing to actually get there? You're too focused on what the actual outcome is, rather than enough focus on the actual process is. Tell me what you'll do in a day and I'll tell you where you'll be in a year is a great sentence for it. Like most people are like, well, I want to lose 10 kg. Well, why don't you focus on losing the first pound? What do you need to do to lose the first pound? I need to get a walk in most days. I need to train maybe two or three times a week. I need to be in a calorie deficit of about three to 500 calories. I need to get more protein in. There's three or four things that if you do consistently, I'm not saying every day, I'm saying consistently over time, you'll get your results. But most people will get bored after so-called like puncturing their tires and they're letting a whole weekend derail them for the whole next week. That's a choice. That's an all or nothing mindset. You're not all or nothing. You're not an extremist. It's your mindset towards things. That's generally stopping people. It's the mindset towards things. It's not self-sabotage either. It's just that you are conscious of what you're doing. You just seek value and not pressing reset because either you haven't got enough why or you see more value in having more calories considerably over that time. There's nothing wrong with that. If you reset quicker, it's easier to reset. If you let it slip into the whole week or by Wednesday or Thursday, it's harder to reset and you will beat yourself up. If you are drinking every single weekend, is it harder to get results? Yes. Is it every so well, every little and often, or sorry, every so often, should I say? Won't hurt. But if you're out in the piss and you're in coppers every weekend or whatever it may be, or you've got some massive social life and stuff like that, you're trying to save money while spending it at the same time. So potentially saying no to more things could be a lot more beneficial for you. Uh, so hopefully that makes sense. So those episodes again are 271 and then the other episode is 162 in relation to the proactive and reactive dieting. Then the last question is, and I think this came in on one of the check-ins is, if I have nice things in the house, I will eat them all. Okay, so what I would say on this is, not having them in the house is not working. Food is always going to be there. Food has no power over us. We give it the power. We have control. If you have an eating disorder, then it's very different. Very, very different. You have an outer body experience. You're not aware of what you're doing. But for most people, it's an emotional eating thing. It's like feast or famine mode. It's last supper syndrome is what they call it of like, these foods are in the house, I must get rid of them on a Monday or a Tuesday. So I need to get rid of them on a Sunday so I can have them on a Monday or a Tuesday. So I'll be good in inverted commas. It's not being good, it's being really, really silly. So you're better off having that food daily than not having it for most of the week and then imploding on the weekend. Cause that's what probably most people are doing when they start going off that. They take out their favorite food thinking that's going to what they do. They think that they're associated with, they've seen results previously. But if you look at, they've probably put the result, the the weight or the measurements back up or never actually stuck to something. It's probably because if you tell yourself you can't have something, you are going to want it more. If I tell you to think of the pink elephant right now, while you're listening to this, you have a pink elephant in your head because I've told you about it. So it's a thing that's recurring in your head all the time. 
So I would a safer approach is for me, for example, I'll, I don't know, I can use myself as an example here is I like ice cream. So I will have ice cream every single day. I will ha I like chocolate, so I will have chocolate every day. So what do I do? I have chocolate in my breakfast, in my porridge. So I have fruit, I have my Greek yogurt on my way, I have my oats, and I throw in my chocolate. First thing in the morning. So already I'm winning in the brain because most people will have those foods in the evening when they're more tired, where they haven't eaten enough during the day, or where they get tired or they get emotional. But I'm having mine earlier in the day, so I'm already giving myself that word of unconditional permission to have that food. So I'm already winning. If you have it earlier in the day, there are some studies saying that if you have it earlier in the day, you probably won't want it later. If you have it daily, you won't want it as often. It's normally the food that you restrict is the one that you crave. The only reason you crave is you're neither not getting enough fuel into your body, you're not getting enough food into your body, or you are restricting your favorite food. So when you say in inverted commas that you're craving a food, the body's not how it works. What happens is the body gets like tired or emotional and the body's preferred source of energy is carbohydrates. So if we get tired, so think of it when you're hungover, some of us won't have an appetite, some of us will have an appetite, but when we get tired or emotional or whatever it may be, the brain kicks in and tells us, right, let's get the quickest source of energy into our body. So it's like, right, that's carbohydrates, fats, sugary foods, processed foods. They're normally the ones that are gone for. But it's looking for the quickest source of energy. But what will happen is your blood sugars will spike back up and crash back down really, really quickly. When you could have been better off saying, right, let me get some whole grain carbs. Can I get some protein in? Could I have a regular meal like I normally have? Or get like a Nutri-Quick meal or one of those ready-made meals or have a batch cooked or have a sandwich or whatever it may be. You might be better off doing that more often than you potentially are. Emphasis on the language that I'm using. I'm not saying all the time, you're human. Nothing happens all the time. But if you are restricting yourself and saying that I'm craving chocolate or I'm craving sugar, fruit has sugar. People forget that. But you only crave what you restrict. And most people restrict carbs, so they want carbs. Most people, when, when, when PMS happens and stuff like that, your metabolism speeds up at a certain time of your cycle. So that's what increases your hunger. So as I said, when you get more hungry or more energy uh, or you want more energy, carbohydrates is the first thing that your body is looking for. So whole grain heart carbs will keep your blood sugars a lot more steady than white starchy carbs. There's nothing wrong with white starchy carbs, but white uh, whole grain carbs will help to keep you fuller for a lot longer. So the whole thing of not having them in the house, the approach does not work. Having them every single day, I would ask you to ask yourself and your partner and your kids or your parents, whatever your situation is, am I a nicer person with chocolate or crisps or ice cream in your life? I would guarantee every single one of the answers will be hell yes. You are making yourself miserable for no reason. Life is not to diet. Life is not to be miserable. There's enough crap going on in this world that makes life more miserable than restricting yourself. Food has no power. Food is an inanimate object. Food has no power. We give it the power as humans. We use it as a comfort because it's taught to us. If you think about the first thing that you receive when you are a baby is the milk and that kind of sugary milk that you get uh, in order to kind of like get nutrients and get food into your body. So you're almost, from birth, your first thing to do is your body and your brain is get, getting carbohydrates or getting a sugary food into your body. So you've been trained from the very, very beginning of your life 
to want carbohydrates, to look for that energy. So why are we restricting our body's preferred source of food? Like chocolate's not gonna be, like today is Tuesday when this is being recorded. Chocolate's not all of a sudden gonna be gone by Wednesday. So what? why are we eating it like it's going out of fashion? Normally it's for serving a purpose. What's the third or fourth bar doing for you that the first one isn't? The answer can't be nothing because it solves a purpose. Humans don't do anything for no reason. We only do things as, a, as it serves a purpose. We have sex to reproduce. We go for our exercise to help our mental health. We eat food to give us energy. Everything that a human does is for a benefit to ourselves. So we need to look at it from that point of view. Food is always going to be there. It's not going to stop existing tomorrow. We're in a very, very fortunate position right now of that we're in a first world country where food is abundant. But the education isn't matching up. So having the food daily will stand you a lot better. Include it in your calories. Enter it into my fitness pal first thing in the morning so it's already spent. Like if you saw a video that I did yesterday, if you have 2,000 calories and I had a chocolate bar yesterday, it was 200 calories, 10% of calories. Like 10%. It's, it's not that much compared to the rest of the day. Daily will help you a lot more. You probably won't, uh, what I've seen with clients is once they give themselves daily and have that unconditional permission, they tend not to crave it. They tend not to want it that often. But you need to be aware of saying, right, when am I eating these foods? Am I eating them in the evening when I'm not eating enough during the day? Am I eating these when I'm hungover? Am I eating these when I'm stressed? Am I eating these when I'm bored? All these things are massive factors. Big question I would ask all of you to kind of, whoever's listening to this, ask yourself the question, am I hungry enough for fruit? Because I forget, fruit has sugar in it. Sugar's not bad, by the way. Sugar's not the reason why there's an obesity epidemic. That's not the reason. As I said earlier, the reason why there's an epidemic is the, new, the education isn't there and that there is a food abundance. And the education isn't matching up to it. That's why there's an epidemic with um, obesity. It's not sugar. Sugar is the, not the blame. It's just that it's easier to get more processed food than it is, or it's perceived to be easier and perceived to be more expensive or seemed to be less expensive, should I say. So there's loads in that episode. So the first one is COVID recovery. So check in with your medical doctor. That's not medical advice, what I've said. Training fasted, episode 183 is what I would advise there. Struggling to get protein in, struggling to get fiber in. Banking calories, so the 271 episode, 162 episode. And then I ha- if, if I have my things in the house, I will eat them all. You won't if you give yourself the food daily. You are in control. The food doesn't control you. You have full control over your actions. If you have an eating disorder, it's very different. Very, very different. But most people are emotionally eaters. We are all emotional eaters. Think of it positively and negatively. Birthdays, Christmas, we eat a little bit more food. It's not always a negative. The point of a diet isn't to restrict yourself. If that's your definition of a diet, I would also set some homework for you. Was If you write out a perfect day of eating, what does it look like? And then look like, right out beside it, what does a good enough day of eating look like? Notice the difference. Perfection probably looks like restriction to a majority of people listening to this. 
good enough means it's probably a, a little bit more foods that they enjoy in it. Dieting is difficult enough already. You don't need to make it more difficult for yourself. It's 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 tough enough without making it a lot more difficult for yourself. So guys, if you've enjoyed this, leave comments below. Um, and I completely agree with the comment that just came in. There isn't enough education at young age about food. Too many mixed messages. If anything says that there is this is negative or this is positive, it's probably somewhere in the middle. It's probably somewhere in the middle. The perfect example is sweeteners. Um, the same people that are worried about sweeteners are the ones that are snorting cocaine in a fucking bathroom during the weekend. So, enough said. Can they increase cravings? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But there's actually research showing that it actually aid weight loss. So, cool story. Um, yeah, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed this one. Um, any reactions, any questions, pop them below this. Any any questions in the podcast episode, guys, pop us a message and we'll do a Q&A next week. So, guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of the Q&A. So, I, I love these kind of style episodes because it's a way for to kind of put out decent, wholesome information. So, guys, if you've enjoyed that episode, please do tag me up on your story. Please do share the podcast. Pass it on to your friend and I'll continue to get amazing guests I'm looking at the list in front of me right now with the amazing guests I think it's fully booked up until like October the podcast and that's because you guys have got it up to a certain level now and I want to kick that on and make it one of the biggest podcasts in Ireland and potentially over in the UK as well so I want to really ramp this up if you guys are interested in working with me on the female fat loss program that is starting on Friday there's a link in the bio if you want to sign up there are two spaces left and they are yours this will be the lowest price that it is at so the price for the august intake is going up by 20 euro so the price is 149 for six weeks and i can tell you for now it will be the best thing that you do 